This is episode 118 of Beyond the Bulletin, published on February 11th, 2022. Hello and welcome to episode 118 of Beyond the Bulletin. From the University of Waterloo, I'm Brandon Sweet, editor of the Daily Bulletin. And from Media Relations, I'm Pamela Smythe. On this podcast, we go beyond the pages and pixels of the Daily Bulletin to inform you about important news and views from our community. Keep listening for the interview featuring Suzanne Kearns, a professor of aviation who will discuss efforts to make air travel and space flight more sustainable. New episodes of the podcast come out every week. You can find our archive of past shows and helpful links on soundcloud.com. Please recommend us to your colleagues and connections at Waterloo. Thank you for joining us as we go Beyond the Bulletin. Beyond. How are you doing this week? I'm doing all right. The podcast is going to be on hiatus for three weeks after this episode. Because I'm on vacation and then you're on vacation. That's right. It's hard to believe that uh, we're already this far into February and that March is right around the corner, even if we're taking three weeks off. I, I don't want to think about March. That's wild. <laughs> I have never taken a vacation in February before. Never. Not once in my life, I don't think. Oh, really? That's my standard operating procedure every couple of years. I'm quite used to it. Watching the snow uh, melt away as you drive through, you know, Ohio and then into Kentucky and, you know, you lose the snow somewhere in the hills. (laughs) Now, here's what's been happening. Students. That's what's happening. They've returned to campus in ever larger numbers this week as in-person experiences ramp up for the remainder of the winter term. It's such a beautiful thing to see and hear campus buzzing with activity. Indeed. Although one wonders what our resident geese think of all these intruders, considering they've had campus pretty much to themselves for quite some time now. Well, who cares what they think? You think they'd be grateful that they've had all this space up until now. Speaking of gratitude, the university has announced two additional days away from work to give employees a break as a way of saying thank you and in recognition of the strain that the pandemic has placed on employees. This announcement comes in the wake of last week's President's Forum, which saw more than 1,600 students and employees join the virtual conversation with university leaders online. These thank you days will coincide with existing campus closure days to create four-day weekends. The new thank you days are... Tuesday, February 22nd, extending the Family Day weekend, and Tuesday, October 11th, extending Thanksgiving weekend. For employees who must work on those days to keep essential campus services running, managers will work with you to make sure that you also get the benefit of two additional days off. In a memo to employees, the president and provost wrote, Everyone who works for this university has done so much to keep us focused on what matters most, giving our students an experience worthy of their talent. From the bottom of our hearts, thank you for everything you've done and continue to do as we seek to provide the best experience we can for everyone who comes to learn, live, and work here. That's nice. Yeah, well said. Employees may recall that in December, you received a memo from Provost James Rush announcing the changes to a more flexible performance appraisal process again this year. Human Resources now has the performance appraisal documentation on their website available for download. Staff employees can choose from one of two options for performance documentation for the 2021 year. That is the completion of the standard staff confidential appraisal form or completion of a new modified 2021 staff performance summary form. 
Staff will notify managers of their preference for performance documentation. The deadline for finalizing all of the paperwork has been extended to March 22nd. We'll put the link to the documentation in our episode show notes on SoundCloud. The Faculty Association of the University of Waterloo, or FAO, has announced a five-year agreement with the Grand River Post-Secondary Education Office, or GRPSEO, to fund scholarships for the University of Waterloo students from six nations of the Grand River. As part of the agreement, FAO will contribute $10,000 each year to be distributed evenly by GRPSEO among all Six Nations students attending the university that year in any program in either part-time or full-time studies. Is that GRPSEO you're doing, or is this their actual acronym? I believe this is their actual acronym. I would have, yeah. I would have been like, GRPSEO. <laughs> I'm not sure that's what they want to be called. I thought we had some complicated acronyms around here. Sheesh. While there are other scholarships available to Indigenous students at Waterloo, of course, FAO is specifically supporting Six Nations students in recognition of the university's location on the Haldeman Tract. We'll put more information in our episode show notes on SoundCloud. Now, here's what's coming up. Students in grade 10 and their families are invited to attend the virtual grade 10 family night information session to learn more about applying to university and what they can do to prepare. University experts will share information on topics like admissions and finance, while current students will share what it was like to go from high school to university. The event's keynote speaker, Professor Trevor Charles, a former guest on this very podcast, who is from the Department of Biology, will give some tips and dispense some advice on what students should be thinking about before applying to university. Now, you might think that grade 10 is a little early to be talking to students about their future plans, but... All too soon, they'll be selecting courses for grade 11, which will greatly influence their prerequisites for university. This information will be helpful regardless of which universities or programs a student is interested in, and the main event will not focus on Waterloo's faculties or academic programs, although a live Q&A is available to answer questions throughout the event. New this year for students who do have an idea of what they might like to study, breakout rooms will be open for drop-in Q&A with representatives from all six faculties. Grade 10 Family Night takes place February 24th from 6 to 8 p.m. on Microsoft Teams. We'll put the registration link in our show notes on SoundCloud. And now the interview. The Waterloo Institute for Sustainable Aeronautics, or WISA for short, is the first institute of its kind in Canada to take on the challenge of making air transport sustainable. WISA plans to shape the future of the aeronautics industry at a pivotal moment for the sector and also the world's climate by combining the work of about 50 researchers from each faculty to address every aspect of sustainability in aeronautics. Suzanne Kearns is the founding director of WISA and a professor in the aviation program and discusses the many ways Waterloo students and faculty can make flying into the wild blue yonder a little bit greener. Suzanne, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. So first off, what does sustainable aeronautics mean? The easiest way to think of it is that we want to meet the needs of today without sacrificing future generations' ability to meet their needs. And that's the sustainable element of it. The aeronautics piece of it is really tapping into aviation, aerospace, and space. It's how do we move uh, using air transportation to meet today's needs without having environmental, social, or economic impacts that are sacrificing our ability to do that over the longer term. 
Well, when I think of sustainability in aeronautics, I'm thinking about, you know, when you book a flight and you can buy carbon offset credits, it's got to be more than that. Yeah, well, that's a part of it. And I think a part a lot of people have seen. But the reality is we want to move into the future in a way that is minimizing our reliance on those offsets. So when you buy those offsets, basically, it's investing in another initiative that's taking carbon out of the atmosphere, which is which is a great uh, thing to do. But really, what we want to think about is how we can reduce the carbon that's produced at the source in aviation. And there's a lot of uh, ways that can happen. So everything from more direct flight paths because aircraft today still tend to follow more sort of legacy air routes, which have a bit of a zigzag pattern. So anytime we can optimize in a straight line, uh, that's having an immediate impact on the amount of fuel burn. Uh, And that not only reduces emissions, but it also has tremendous economic savings Mm -hmm. because fuel is the, the biggest expense for airlines. We also look at aspects of, you know, in the future, how are we going to meet some of these big emission reduction targets that have been set for the industry? They want to have carbon neutral growth only from 2019 onwards. So the amount of carbon produced in 2019 that will never uh, go beyond that. So the growth will come by uh, basically reducing uh, carbon through other means. Hmm. So in addition to offsets and air traffic modernization, We're looking at aspects of sustainable aviation fuels in a a more immediate sense, potentially in the future, looking at electric propulsion or hydrogen propulsion. Are we going to see battery operated jumbo jets? (laughs) Not in the short term. It it looks sort of like the first 10 to 15 years from now until 10 to 15 years that the industry is suggesting that we can have more sustainable practices in that window through sustainable aviation fuels. So these are fuels that that don't produce uh, the same types of emissions as as traditional fuels. Um, But there's some questions around where do they come from? Are are we taking uh, feedstocks away that that could be uh, and should be used for for other things? So so that's that's sort of the first thrust um, to have more sustainable propulsion. The the second is around electric aviation. So that's maybe 15 to 25 years in the future. Um, But we did just put in a grant uh, led by Dr. Paul Parker uh, to see if we could purchase a small electric aircraft to be used in our flight training, because there are electric aircraft today. The Pipistrel uh, is an example. But um, the nature of, of the battery power at this point is that they are only really feasible for very short flights. So our research is looking at how that could be used in flight training, because flight training tends to be shorter duration, lightweight uh, aircraft. And then in the future, so you're kind of looking like 25 years plus, there's a lot of questions around whether hydrogen could be the solution. So there's some really tremendous, exciting uh, opportunities in the future. But the reality is those targets that have been set are dependent on technologies and innovations that don't yet fully exist. Mm. And that's where Waterloo, I think, is going to have a really exciting role in the future. Well, why does it make sense for us to have WISA at Waterloo? Waterloo is host of Canada's largest undergraduate aviation program. So we train student pilots. And uh, I always say the student pilots, they're my people. And they're, they're probably really, uh, I'm completely biased, but I think they're a really exciting group of students to work with. And um, not only do they complete their degrees, but they also go to the airport and complete their flight credentials. And they graduate as, as fully qualified pilots. And I think what's interesting about the aviation program is that there are very few programs like that in Canada in universities. 
that are colleges, like in an applied sense, have pilot training, but there aren't a lot of university level uh, aviation programs. So Waterloo hosting Canada's largest, but also looking across campus and seeing the tremendous research strengths that we have mm-hmm. on campus, and then pairing that with some of the big challenges facing uh, the aviation and aerospace sectors. And all of a sudden, it starts to come together to say, well, gosh, we have hundreds of student pilots who can participate in research as participants. And we also have all of this amazing research ecosystem that if we could only bring those uh, strengths together, then we could have a really tremendous impact in the space. So WISA is interdisciplinary? It wouldn't function without being interdisciplinary. We define sustainability based on these sort of three pillars of sustainability. So social, environmental, and economic. And under uh, social sustainability, we look at aspects of equity, diversity, and inclusion. Only about 5% of pilots are female, very few people of color in aviation careers. But also most aviation accidents are caused by pilot error. So this aspect of human performance optimization, how do you create the workforce of the future that's trained, efficient, and and ready to support what comes next? Mm -hmm. Um, And that in the light of before the pandemic, global shortages of aviation professionals, pilots, maintenance, air traffic control, everything in between. And we're seeing that reemergence today. So we think that the sustainability of the future of the air transport sector is going to require this emphasis on the people, uh, both that it is impacted by and who support it as workers. The environmental sustainability pillar, we've talked about that already. So it's aspect of carbon and noise reduction and new technologies and even things like direct air capture of carbon and everything we can think about to be more environmentally friendly and reduce the negative impacts. But under the economic pillar, we really do because we're Waterloo. We've got such amazing strengths in in technology and AI. And and what we're really focusing under that pillar is is mobilizing those strengths to support the sector. Mm. Even aspects of things like cybersecurity. If you think about it, when you go to an airport, you have to go through all those security checkpoints. And yet if uh, somebody from their home computer is able to access aviation infrastructure, then all of that security protocol doesn't mean anything. It doesn't offer the protection. So so a sustainable future from an economics perspective has to really have evidence-based, informed integration of technology. And, And that's where we see a lot of potential at Waterloo as well. What led to the creation of WISA? Because you're the founding director. There aren't uh, a lot of aviation faculty, so I'm I'm sort of the only full-time aviation professor Mm. um, on campus. And and in in working with my students, what increasingly kept happening is they would come up to me after class and they would say, you know, I love aviation. I'm passionate about it. And most aviation people, it's like a hobby. (laughs) It's like this strange obsession. Like they just love flight. But they're sort of pairing that with the idea that they don't want to be a part of an industry that's contributing to climate change. They don't want to be part of an industry that's part of the problem. And and that really struck home for me. And we started really exploring aspects. I I taught a course on aviation sustainability and really tried to understand on a deeper level what sustainability means in air transportation. And then you look across, you know, our faculty of environment and realize, well, gosh, we have world-leading experts in in all of these, you know, sustainability factors. 
doctors and stretching beyond that across campus. You know, you touch into, into science and engineering and math and arts and health. Like every faculty has expertise that helps us understand and contribute to, to doing things better. Aviation is a force for good in so many ways. And yes, we have negative environmental impacts, but very positive social and economic impacts. So aviation employs millions of people around the world. It, it moves over a third of the world's cargo by value. Mm-hmm. It, it's distributing critical infrastructure and medical equipment to aspects of the North. And and, and there's so much, uh, you think about supply chain issues as well, that there's so much that is happening that aviation is supporting in the background that you don't even see. And of course, the tourism aspect as well. I think we all understand the impact of being locked in our homes for these extended lockdowns for so long that it affects you in many ways in a negative sense. Um, so I, I used to be president of a group called the University Aviation Association, which represents hundreds of colleges and universities around the world that are aviation schools. Mm. And I started increasingly see these legacy sort of leaders in the aviation space advertising for experts in cybersecurity or artificial intelligence or machine learning. And in recognizing that, you know, there's this increasing awareness of a need uh, in the space, and yet we have it on campus plus we have hundreds of student pilots already here on campus, then it started to to sort of fit together to say, well, gosh, if we could just mobilize the existing research capacity of all of our amazing colleagues and start directing it towards aviation and aerospace challenges, that we could have a real immediate impact. How involved is is industry? Uh, so WISA, in, in forming uh, the Institute, we also created an advisory committee. So Commander Chris Hadfield uh, is an honorary uh, advisor in that group, uh, as well as Dr. Sanju Advani, who's an international leader in, in flight simulation, uh, and several other just really amazing industry and government professionals who uh, we meet about once a month and they offer advice and and guidance. But uh, we have a few also uh, really incredible sponsorships with uh, NavBlue, who's an Airbus company. They're just located on North Campus. And the idea is that that's how WISA sustains itself financially is the industry partners will come to us and say, we have a research question and WISA will work with them to refine it and create a request for proposals. And then we distribute that to all of our members, our researchers across campus, who prepare proposals and return them. And in that way, it's really trying to break down the barriers between industry and academia so that industry has sort of this open door to to access uh, this academic talent. And likewise, for our researchers, we also have about seven airlines who are our members of WISA. And so if our researchers have questions that link to your operation, then we can facilitate that kind of communication flow. And, and that's been really valuable as well. People don't always realize that to be an aviation professional, either a pilot or air traffic controller, you also have to go and have a medical assessment at intervals, so once a year or so, depending on how old you are. And the challenge with this is it creates a bit of a culture where people might be very hesitant to disclose mental health issues, because if you do, you're putting your medical certificate on the line, potentially, and then that might affect your ability to retain your employment. So it's not obviously intended to be that way. The the medical process is meant to make the industry safer, to to sort of identify if there are medical issues that might um, pose a risk or uh, safety risk to the industry. But the flip side to it is that it does create this sort of um, the system where people are really hesitant to disclose mental health issues. And I know for certain that there are a tremendous amount of researchers 
who study aspects of mental health. How do you, how do you measure it? How do you track it? How do you understand if somebody needs help or if they're safe to continue operations? Like there's, there's a lot of research in this space. And, and I think this is another aspect where, you know, I'll often say people like, tell me about your research and I can tell you about how it fits a a challenge in the air transport sector. And just very recently in the past few months, there've been a few calls for research proposals internationally looking for researchers to propose things of like, how can we both measure and support mental health in aviation? And, and I sort of, you know, one of the origins of WISA is saying, if the air transport sector, if all aviation and aerospace researchers had to start at the very beginning and learn lessons and sort of build up the answers on their own, it will take a tremendous amount of time. But if we can just tap people on the shoulder who are in parallel disciplines, who are already experts in the field and just say, can you tell me the lessons you've learned and, and what, what has worked mm-hmm. in other sectors, then we can um, take some significant strides forward. Now, WISA is partnering with the Waterloo Wellington Flight Center, Awesome Flight Training Solutions, and the region of Waterloo International Airport to host a student design competition. Tell me a bit about that, and why did you want students involved? If, if anyone has, has been um, observing that there's been an increasing amount of traffic at our local airport, mm-hmm. and so they're expanding the terminal, and our flight school, the same school that trains our student pilots, um, they're one of the largest flight schools in Canada. And they're going to be required to move on on the footprint of the airport to a different location. And so in sort of asking, you know, what will our new building look like and what will our new facility look like? And of course, as as researchers, we're hoping they will consider things like electric aircraft and what the charging infrastructure looks like and how Mm -hmm. to be more sustainable. Uh, It really did open the door to this question of, well, why don't we challenge our brilliant students to come up with solutions and to propose some of those designs? And the really exciting part of it is that students who participate agree to have the results hosted as open source on the WISA website so that uh, when it's all said and done, other flight schools around the world could come to our website and start looking at some of these ideas and designs. And maybe that could be a catalyst to look at how uh, flight training can be more sustainable in a very broad sense internationally. Why did you want it to be open source? That, that was really important to me because we want, of course, to, um, it, for it to be beneficial to our partner, the Waterloo Wellington Flight Center. Um, but we want, like, WISE's mission is to, we always say we want aeronautics to be a force for good. Like, we want to really optimize the good aspects of aviation and, and minimize the negative aspects. So, so the question of, well, gosh, if we could innovate flight training using things like virtual reality and flight simulators, we could probably make it more affordable more effective and customized to the learner. And therefore we could really support these young people Hmm. because um, I think the challenge is, you know, we have this uh, young people who are super passionate about aviation, but sometimes that creates really intense hardships because of the cost Hmm. um, and, and sort of just really optimizing their ability to go flying. What else is coming up for WISA? So one of the the big things we've been working on is a new education program. So it's called the Collaborative Aeronautics Program, or the CAP. And kind of the easiest way to think about it is it's almost like a a minor in aviation that can be added to research-based master's and PhD programs. We hope uh, if things go forward the way we do, we have to seek, of course, Senate approval. Um, But we would hope that this program could launch in September of this year. And the, the concept is that it's adding a sort of dash aeronautics to the end of a degree. So you can get a PhD in geography dash aeronautics. So it's adding adding the dash aeronautics part. And, and what it actually 
like I'm really excited about Sell it. it. <laughs> it's a it's a tremendously new idea for graduate level education in aviation because instead of training people to be experts in aviation specifically, what we're doing is we're tapping uh, other expertise. So, so they'll become disciplinary experts in their core discipline, whatever that happens to be across campus. And then those students will come together and they will do three things that are sort of aeronautics specific. There'll be an introductory course that teaches basically all the structure and components of how aviation and aerospace works. Um, the second course is a project-based course where we're going to ask industry partners to give us problems. Like what are the big, uh, you know, on the horizon, what are big issues uh, that need to be solved? And we'll assign those problems to teams of students uh, to work on through the semester and present their solutions at the end. And then those students go back to their home departments and they have a research uh, focus for their uh, thesis or dissertation that is applicable to aviation or aerospace mm -hmm. in, in a way that makes sense for their discipline. And then when they graduate, they get the dash aeronautics. Mm. But I think it's just going to be a really exciting way to mobilize you know, the, the future of the industry, because the highly qualified personality is like this next generation of leaders, they're going to need to know both the aviation space, plus have the ability to answer some of these big emerging questions as well. Wow, that does sound exciting. And you're also looking for people to be leaders at WISE we're going to have four associate directors who are also faculty members. Um, and the associate directors are going to align with the different pillars of sustainability. So social sustainability, looking at human performance and uh, that aspect, um, environmental sustainability, so carbon reductions and how we can optimize operations. And then economic sustainability, looking at aspects of sort of machine learning and AI and tech and, and engineering and how that can uh, support the sector. Um, and the fourth associate director we're looking for is going to be around a strategic initiative, which we've identified this year that we really would love to find someone who's passionate about uh, drones, um, autonomous control, uh, and or what's called EVTOL or electric vertical takeoff and landing aircraft. Mm. Um, these are like large human carrying drones. <laughs> so they're uh, really exciting, but they, they tap into so many different branches of expertise across campus. Uh, so we will be putting out a call for uh, self-nominations. And if that sounds like anyone's uh, expertise and things they're passionate about, we would love for them to consider joining us in that. Any parting thoughts before we say goodbye? You know, I think the, the beautiful thing about Waterloo is this sort of coming together of, of opportunity and passion and sort of the, the research and the development of talent all sort of merging together to think about how we can future-proof ourselves for what comes next. And, and I would just sort of throw it out there that there's some really big challenges uh, the air transport sector is facing. Most of the professors who are part of WISA would not define themselves as aviation people. They're sort of they're, they're disciplinary experts in their own field who are curious about applying their solutions to the air transport sector. So I think that if that sounds like uh, anyone who's listening, then we would love for them to reach out and join us in our mission. Suzanne, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Well, that about wraps it up for us this week. To ensure you don't miss an episode, please subscribe to the Beyond the Bulletin podcast wherever you get your podcasts and recommend us to your colleagues and Waterloo alumni. Please follow us on Twitter at UW Daily Bulletin. Stay safe, everybody. Do your part to help slow the spread of COVID-19 in our community by following public health guidance. You can reach us by email at bulletin at uwaterloo.ca. Thanks for listening as we went Beyond the Bulletin. Just as a reminder, Beyond the Bulletin will return on Friday, March 11th. So 
if you're hankering for some uh, some witty repartee and quality interviews, uh, <laughs> please take a look at our expansive and extensive archive of past shows. They're timeless. Except for those ones that are definitely tied to specific events. But no, generally timeless, yes. Still worth listening to, so please do check them out, everybody. <laughs>